Hello and welcome to Recruiting and Hospitality from Catra.com. I'm Lance Hotner-Ryan as ever and regular uh, viewers and listeners of the programme will know that uh, in each episode we discuss matters that affect you, UK hospitality industry. We discuss recruitment, development, tension, as well as other matters that affect you and your teams. And uh, okay, so at, at, at Catra.com, we've been addressing the skills shortage as we always do. But uh, as you all know, right now, it's, uh, it's uh, as bad as it's ever been. What we want to address are tapping into new talent pools. Um, how do we attract new talent to the industry? How do we make uh, young people understand that it's not just a job, uh, viable careers can be had, and not just viable careers, careers that can grow, become really great careers, and careers that can be nurtured. Now, to discuss this with me today, I, I can't ask for better guests. Um, and for those of you who are listening to the audio version of this, I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves to you now. Dan, can you can you say hello? Yeah, hi, my name is Dan Power from Umbrella Training and EHAP. LJ? Hi everyone, and thanks Lance. My name is Laura Jane Rawlings, but LJ, and I'm the Chief Exec here at Youth Employment UK. Lovely. And Lauren? Hello, I'm Lauren Mystery. I'm Youth Employment UK's Director of Impact Strategy and Communications. Fantastic. Thank you all for joining me today. It's, a, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the programme. Um, Dan, can I can I start with you? Um, OK, these, these are big questions and I hope we get some lot of a lot of meat out of these because these are really these are really big questions. And I think there's a there's a lot of uh, a lot of mileage in, in, uh, in these. And I'm really, really interested to hear your opinions and your views on these. That how do we challenge uh, poor perception of the industry? I mean, there's there's been um, uh, surveys with parents and um, school leavers about what they think about the hospitality industry what's the perception and what's the reality i think that's a brilliant question and i think it's one that um those of us that work within hospitality spend quite a lot of time having a, having a long time look at ourselves and, and really trying to understand why the perception of the industry is as poor as it is um, and i think if i were to reflect on popular tv shows or anything that you see perhaps in the media, one of the challenges is everybody spends all their time talking about how difficult it is and how hard it is to work in the industry and the long hours and the, you, know, you leave your friends and your family at the door when you when you enter this this hospitality industry when whilst you know that is that is true um but every job's hard and every job has unsocial hours at times and everybody has every job has their challenges i think we we need to spend a lot more time focusing on the wonderful opportunities that the industry as a whole, I mean, hospitality as a, as a term is, is such a vast thing. I, you know, I, I have recently described it as a bitter economy because I think it encompasses much more about what's available um, in terms of jobs and careers for, for anyone, not just young people in the sector. So I think fundamentally the first thing we have to do is flip everything that we say on its head and start talking positive rather than always focusing on negative and I'm 
I'm always minding things like programs like MasterChef on TV. The first thing that every single one of the chefs talks about is how hard they work. Um, which, you know, yes, it's a tough industry, but construction workers work really hard. Um, you know, there are so many healthcare workers work really hard, um, but they focus on the positives of the job. Um, you know, there, there aren't many careers or, or jobs that you could take which could literally take you on a worldwide journey. Um, working in such, you know, other wonderful countries, there aren't many jobs that can take you to fabulous buildings like the Shard and the Bits and the Savoy and the Dorchester, all of these, the Royal Households, you know, all of these things. I showed my, my daughter the Michelin building yesterday at, uh, at um, Fulham and uh, yeah, and she was just blown away by it. So yeah, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. LJ, and Lauren, and I, what, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's, it's a, it is a great question. And I think much of what Dan says is, is quite right. We have over 700,000 young people who are not in education, employment or training at any given moment. It's, it's the pretty standard um, kind of number around our young people not in work. Um, and of course, that peaks and troughs as, as the economy moves. But there are some really talented and brilliant young people out there who, you know, whether it's cutting their teeth in your industry or whether it's having a career for life, you know, it offers so much and so much um, varied and really great um, roots in. And including, you know, Dan didn't mention it, but I'm sure we would have got there, running your own business. I mean, how many people in your industry are actually self-employed or you know entrepreneurs that's a really exciting development I think for catering and hospitality. At Youth Employment UK um, we, know, we, we work with over 250,000 young people a month come onto our careers website looking for careers information wow. and our our job is to inspire them. So Dan's right again. You have to inspire young people. What it is, they want to know the reality. They don't, you don't need that sugarcoating. But actually, what's in it for me? Why would I want to work in this sector? What makes it the best sector, you know, out of all of them to work in? Um, and, and we recently developed a virtual work experience video, which was opening up the door to the hospitality and catering sector. And, and I was part of that initial project, building that virtual work experience. And you're quite right. We've built something that's really exciting. And I want to get it in the hands of everybody. It's a free, free sort of programme for young people. But it does. It takes them around the world of all the different careers that exist and, and glorious, glorious places to be. So I think there is so much in there. And I think there's probably, you know, another thing that I'd add is the perceptions in schools of that industry you know it's a very vocational industry and there's still a bit of a stigma around our teachers about academic and vocational qualifications sadly and and in government so we have to challenge that i think having more role models young people who are not celebrity chefs but having fantastic careers as hotel managers park managers restaurant managers whatever, whatever it is we're not seeing enough of those in our everyday um, life. We just see the celebrity stuff, which is really hard to get into, right? It's a bit like watching football. Well, Absolutely. It's certainly about changing the narrative and in lots of places, parents also, um, the, the same perceptions some teachers have, um, it's not it's not mutually exclusive to our education system. Um, but we, we talk to young people about what careers they want, what career do you want to do, what career do you want to do? And actually what we've got to talk about is what is great about the jobs within hospitality um, and the sector itself To What skills are you learning? How do those jobs build your career? There's a conversation to be had about careers and I'm not sure it's before you 
you've even set the foot into a building um, and you've done any work and you've had any work experience. It's about thinking about the jobs, what you're learning and how you can develop and get there too. Careers is a really big and scary world um, for young people. If we talk about jobs and what we're going to learn and how exciting it is to how exciting it is to be there and learn that, that's that changes that changes the situation for young people too um, when we think about the narrative Dan is absolutely right in every job I've never met a person that doesn't tell me that they don't work hard you talk about entrepreneurs you talk about marketing why is it okay that um, if I work in marketing I can work really hard or if I'm an IT developer I work really hard it's it's long hours um, there is something about um, catering that we have to all switch and, and the hospitality sector that it's like oh because you work hard and you're in a, and, and you're in a building somewhere it's different to working hard and working in IT it's exactly the same Mm, mm, absolutely absolutely um what what can individual companies do to to help with this i mean there are um i've heard a lot of this over the years that um a lot of small companies say well, we can't really do much to encourage young people uh, because we don't have the facilities we don't have the budget da, 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 da. it's up to big companies but what can what can be done across the board uh, to to change these perceptions? Um, I'll, I'll jump in and, and it's right. I mean, we're, we're a small company at Youth Employment UK, but we still offer work experience. If a school calls us and asks us to go and do a talk, we're going to go and do a talk in a school. Yeah. Um, it doesn't cost anything, but actually what young people need, it's the marketing rule of six. They need to hear about something six times before they believe it. So actually going and doing one assembly in a school is not going to change the world, but talking to a group of students consistently in the right ways and the language that we've already talked about six times or more before they're making career choices will have the most lasting impact. And that might sound like a lot. We're not just asking one business to do it six times. We have to see the catering and hospitality sector do all do their little bit, all make sure that they've got relationships with schools, all make sure that they're using the places where young people go to look for careers information like Youth Employment UK's website to understand how to have those conversations to make sure that they're youth friendly um, and they're doing that well. So it's about being present. Young people will need to hear about it six times or more and they need to hear about it before they leave school. So it's the relationship in that school environment that, that will make a difference. Dan, what's your experience? Um, I, I would really, I'd just echo all of those comments and also um, the comment previously about let's, let's stop talking about careers. Um, I think we need to talk about opportunities and jobs um, because, you know, I, I have kids that are 14 and 18 um, even me, I don't think I know what I want to do as a career. I'm, I'm, I'm doing something. Um, I just think it's too, we're looking too far in the distance by trying to shape young people and build careers at age 16, 17 when they're having these talks in school. And actually, you know, if I'm thinking about what I want to encourage to do, I want to go and have experience. I want to go and have opportunities. I want to travel. I want to none of which are let's build your career from 17 because if you don't do it now um you know you're going to lose out on everything in life so i think you know where where i talk to employers in, in the hospitality industry about their skills shortages and their, and their vacancies that are vast at the moment my advice is always stop thinking about finding the right person that's going to be gap for 20 years you know start looking at 
a much broader pool of people, even if they're only with you for 6, 12, 18 months, surely that is better to have a really good member of staff for 18 months that leaves with your blessing and maybe come back when they're ready for more serious chats about careers than it would be to only focus on those individuals that um, are looking for those career choices. The other thing that I would say, just to add specifically to hospitality, is we need to stop rolling out chefs when we talk about career opportunities. You know, it's always great to send somebody in uniform um, who looks like a chef, sounds like a chef, acts like a chef because they are a chef. But you know, if you just take a medium-sized hotel, they still have HR, they still have marketing, they still have um, maintenance, they still have housekeeping. You know, the the the, op the opportunities that are there are so big. Um, you know, and all these employers talk about is. They want people with the right They're not worried about skills. Because, you know, working with training providers, working, with, uh, working internally, they can develop those skills. Um, so I think it's, 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 we talk about changing the narrative. You know, man, I've talked about changing the narrative for a long time in my career and it still hasn't happened yet. So we have to keep going, doing it. But I just think we offer, it's too closed. The path is too closed. And I think it stems from the work um, because it scares people. Why would you, you know, if I'm, am I going to get stuck working in a kitchen for the rest of my life? You know, is that is that the narrative that, that they're hearing? And I love the idea of, you know, six times, keep talking about it six times, six times, and different adults or, or inspiration people that are in that, that, that space saying the same thing, you know, reiterating that message. That needs to be. Um, that's um this is this is fascinating because i'm not i've not heard this it's brand new to me um let's not talk about careers let's talk about jobs let's talk about experiences that's that's fresh that's fresh that's that's brilliant in addressing the skill shortages dan what are the benefits of apprenticeships can you talk me through that yeah so i i think um apprenticeships provide such a fabulous opportunity um, because, uh, so for, for those people that don't know, you know, in, in 2017, the, the whole apprenticeship uh, landscape changed and large organisations started playing, uh, paying into an apprenticeship levy. What, what that did is effectively created an L&D budget for all sorts of sized organisations, because just, you know, even those that don't pay the levy still access it. And what that means is by working with training providers like us, we can help tailor support that's required to develop those skills and to develop that knowledge in the workplace. I liken it to, you know, if I, if I, if my boiler breaks at home, I don't try and fix it myself. I go and find somebody that's qualified in order to do it. So, you know, the, what, what apprenticeships do is it partners up great employers in organizations with specialists in developing learning skills and knowledge to create pathways and programs to develop people that show the right behavior but don't necessarily have the skills yet so that's that's fundamentally what the benefits are um, of apprenticeships in this landscape you can take somebody no knowledge no skills and develop them in a, in a safe way um, using you know, nationally recognised qualifications and training in order to do that, um, and it works. It really does, work. and they don't have to be young people. It's you know, it's available for everybody. LJ, uh, grad schemes, mentorship, 
L&D programs. Can you talk me through the benefits of all of these and why, you know, they're, 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 these are attractive uh, selling points as well to newcomers to the industry? Yeah, there are so many routes in now for organisations to encourage talent into their business. Um, for, for us at Youth Employment UK, we do a lot of work with employers and understanding what their workforce needs are. And sometimes that workforce needs means you've got to kind of do the really early career stuff to start building up um, young people's interest in your sector. Some of it then is about creating great apprenticeship pathways with a great provider like Umbrella, but also using other government schemes. So we just closed Kickstart. That was a great opportunity to, to use a government funded scheme where I think for me that the, the benefit is about really supporting people with very little experience and being able to do that in a safe way because government are contributing to some of those costs. But there are other schemes. So traineeships are a really good way of engaging early talent. Um, you've got sector work-based programmes. And, and then for the graduate side of things where you have, of course, then those, those young people who have, have invested even further into their education before they go into the world of work. So it's about knowing what your business needs, what it's capable of delivering. We we are home to what's called the good youth employment framework here. You know, we, we expect employers we work with to meet a standard when they're supporting young people into employment. And so it's about actually don't do a grad scheme if you can't provide them with a great opportunity and a training to advance the learning they've already had. Don't do a traineeship or a kickstart program if you can't provide the mentoring that's needed and the, the real coaching. So it's about understanding who you are as a business and what you what you can do. But um, a big piece of work we do here, in fact, Lauren leads it, it's called the Youth Voice Census, which is an annual survey of young people aged 14 to 24 this year, 11 to 30. And it tells us what young people are experiencing. And we know through that, and particularly because of COVID, that young people haven't had good careers education in school because the disruption to education was so prolific. They certainly can access work experience. Your sectors were shut down, which was a great opportunity for young people to gain early work experience, part-time employment. So, so you have to really think about, are young people leaving education with the skills I want? No, because the system doesn't work like that and COVID stopped it. Have they left school with the work experience I've been looking for? No, because COVID put pay to that. So actually, what scheme can we use that will bridge those gaps? And it's not on the education system to do that. It's on us as kind of employers in the community. So all of those programmes are brilliant, but they have to be used in the right way for the right type of individual coming into your business. What we know about young people as well is that they feel safe within the structures of a system. They feel safe within an apprenticeship. What young people want is to work for an employer that's going to keep investing in them, to keep training them, to keep supporting them. A structured apprenticeship and a graduate scheme are so attractive to young people because they trust it. They know it. They feel like they're entering into a contract where you've promised me these things and I'm going to deliver, you know, and, and I'm going to deliver. I'm going to work for this amount of time and achieve these things at the end of it there's a there's a certificate as part of it too but actually the mentorship and the learning development programs are important in any role and opportunity you offer whether you're offering someone a saturday or sunday job or you know evening work when we think about hiring young people if you can't offer apprenticeships or if your graduate schemes are full it's really important that you do keep training when we think about how we solve the skill shortage i think as employers within the area, we have to recognise that young people, um, 
for a lot of them, they do have the skills. They don't always recognize it because they've never been able to put it into practice. Um, not just because of the COVID shutdown, but, you know, all of those things, you know, they haven't done their exams this year. They haven't been able to go out and take an, on any part-time jobs. They haven't been able to meet their friends, go to their first festival, you know, go out off into town on their own in the summer. All of those things and opportunities where we build resilience, leadership, organisation, they haven't been able to do. And I think we have to stop asking so much before, before they even step through foot through the door. But mentoring and having those training programmes in place are, are what's going to keep young people in the sector, keep them happy and fulfilled. We don't invest enough as a nation in, in training and development programmes across the whole scope, which is why apprenticeships and graduate schemes are so attractive. But actually, if we think about mentorship and leadership and development for all people, but especially young people that we hire, it will really make a difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I completely I completely uh, understand what you where you're going with that. Um, I'll try to move on uh, um, from from this uh, slightly. Something potentially potentially tricky. Um, Dan, I'll have to go back to you. In in engaging a a diverse talent pool from the beginning, it it can be a tricky business. How does uh, the industry, how do trainers, how how do how do we remove an unconscious bias from the hiring process? How do we go about doing that? I think it's a brilliant question, and I think that this is something that we all need to really work together to um, to, to kind of overcome. But I think again, a lot of it starts with doing quite simple things, like for example, getting rid of a CV. Um, I've just touched on it. The young people coming through the system now, what have they got to write for CV for the last two years? Because they haven't been able to do anything. Yeah. So that could potentially be a barrier right from the start um, by saying, you know, write down your, your skills and experience and tell me what you've already got. Um, I think it's interesting because employers do say the right things. They say they look for behaviour and attitude. But does the recruitment process give the individual the opportunity to display those behaviors and those attitudes um right from now um <clears throat> i think what's been interesting and, and uh, I've, been, I've been part of a few round tables recently that have been run by Kato, where we've been discussing exactly these issues and one of the things that i really love um that came out of it was the um it, it feels like open day back where it's a carte blanche open invitation for, for individuals to turn up um, and be kind of processed and interviewed um, there and then on the day. And, and certainly That's Marriott, more and more nowadays, isn't it? Yeah, and, and certain Marriott, um, we're talking, they hired 106 people in one day, <laughs> um, which is just incredible. And it was people that they weren't necessarily expecting. What they did that was critical was it was the hiring managers, the decision makers were there on the day so it wasn't it people didn't have to go through a very long stage process of handing in a paper, bit of paperwork filling in a form and then waiting a week to hear the people were right in front of them um, uh, and, you know and it speeds the process up you know we all know that this this young generation coming through now don't have any patience for anything you know they need to they need to, to be told yes yes or no here now uh, you know i've got it and i think it's those sorts of things that i think we can do um that will so can i just cut in there that the, the yeah. hiring managers that were there on the day yeah did they have to adapt their processes for this occasion 
Yeah. Uh, and 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 taking in mind what and bearing in mind what you've said that you know there there is little patience in these yeah. in these candidates. What sort of adaptations do they have to make? Well, I, I think kudos to them for a start for, for yeah. going through the process. But it was really it was the support that they had from their HR teams, and we are talking about a huge organisation here, and it's not necessarily going to be prevalent for everybody. Um, but it was the HR teams giving them that opportunity to be there and and and, and, and allowing them to make the decisions on the day. Um, and I think that's the that's the key to it because you know anecdotally what, what I was hearing was that the hiring managers were a bit stuff actually having seen the benefit they now like when's the next one when's the next one when's the next you know I've got you know I've got vacancies I need to fill so I think now that we are opening up the nation let's you know start this process of really kind of getting rid of some of the still old-fashioned systems that we put in place for the recruitment process um I know that there are still all those challenges that we need to go through, but let's not make it process heavy. Let's make it part of the opportunity, part of the experience. You know, give give young people the opportunity to see these businesses in, in full flow. You know. Yeah, I, I think I think there's a couple of things to that. Is one, we do know young people really worry about assessment centres. You know, one of the things that that absolutely happened during COVID was the anxiety levels of young people rose. So, so therefore then, and, and Marriott's example is really interesting, and I, I think we're, we're getting closer to a good system that young people who are particularly nervous aren't going to want to be in a room full of 30, 40, 50 people. If you're recruiting in a very white, privileged area and you're expecting young people to come across a town on public transport that will cause a barrier to them there'll be a cost associated you know poverty is rising if young people have got to pay to travel to an interview they will likely set themselves away from the process it's really about understanding who young people are and where they're at in their lives and then you can start building up what does a really good process look like for us one of the things that we talk about in the good youth employment framework is is around that having other young people part of your process so actually if you really want to test what how youth friendly your recruitment process is ask the young people that have just been recruited what did they like what worked for them what didn't work for them i think you know we're, we still have schools trying to teach young people how to use cvs you know you'll never get rid of the cv but actually, could we do blind recruitment? Take the name of it as, as at least one example. Re reduce the expectation to have two years work experience and you know 10 GCSEs, because that's that's not a thing. One of the things that we did at Youth Employment UK for our apprentice intake was we asked three questions. So we said, I mean, you can send your CV, but we're not that interested. T tell us the answer to these three questions, which was, you know, what skills would you bring or what do you think is important about our work? And, and, and it was it was stuff that didn't require them to have work experience to be able to answer those questions. So, so I think I think I think we're starting to see some good practice coming through. But then we have to be careful about systems that young people, particularly social economic disadvantaged or those from black, Asian and ethnic minority groups are not familiar with and they become our new normal because they will just serve one type of person and we just have to be really mindful i think of that 
I think the biggest thing you can do as well is just supporting young people with what is going to happen on the day. Young people are nervous and unsure about assessment centres because they just haven't had those experiences. We haven't all been together in rooms for a long time. But actually, if you tell them what's going to happen, if you tell them the questions that are going to come up, they can think about it and prepare. The unknown for them is is, is what's um, worse and kind of more, more than anything. And also, if you tell them the questions, they can lean on their support network, their guardians, parents, their friends and the people around them that know them to say, you know, what do you think? my skills are it, it's about enabling them to have conversations to better answer the questions not about giving them all the answers but if you tell them what you're expecting and what you're going to ask you'll get much better output take away some of the nerves and anxiety for young people yeah. too sometimes it feels like we're just trying to catch them out <laughs> oh why why are we doing that let's make this easy and a learning process give feedback that's really really important is giving i think a lot of that stems from schools i mean you've got you've got a um a particular mindset and it takes a while to shake that off because the the world of work is very different to the world of schools yeah um and and education so it does take a while to to, to get rid of that that mindset i'm i'm very much I'd like to ask all of you, I'm, I'm very much of the opinion that the industry needs to stand up and shout about itself. Um, and like you said, getting rid of, don't stop wheeling out chefs, get young people in who've just been recruited to, because that's a true, a truer voice. Mm -hmm. It's not someone who's been in the industry for 30 years, it's someone who's just come in and can give you a, you know, an accurate and honest view of what it's really like for you now joining the industry what does the industry need to do to stand up on a table and say you know come on it's great it's not rubbish <laughs> i think um i think the industry can be a little bit um more unapologetic about what this role is and we think about how the world of work is changing and all i'm hearing left right and center at the moment is about the mega trends of work um the the sector and researchers has found this new word and it's mega trends um and we're thinking about the lines of work blurring we're talking about people having two or three different jobs we're um you know we're talking about kind of the flexibility of work and um and and it changing and i think we can be honest about what working in hospitality is it might mean you have to work weekends it might mean you have to work workplace at night i can absolutely tell you that there are very few jobs out there where you're not doing those activities to work is more flexible um, and that is changing so i think the sector has to find more positive ways of not spinning it but talking about what it's like to work it's about the benefits of that about you know being able to have wednesday off and doing doing different activities um around there too so i do think there is there is really shifting how we talk about it and how we yeah and how we shift it because because it isn't different um and and, and i think it's really important to address absolutely absolutely yeah and i think i think use your community so so the hospitality sector employs millions of workers they're your community why are they not talking to their children and their family and their relatives and giving out information and offering work experience or a day's trial or what have you you know you have a massive community to lean into who should all be advocates and ambassadors for your sector so i'd, I'd be looking at thinking how i could use my community to do that but also, I think we're, we're based in Kettering in Northamptonshire, and we've got a gorgeous little sort of um, town area with a few restaurants up there. Having those restaurants being part of their community a bit more and engaging more with their schools and engaging more with what's going on, the charities who are working with 
young people who have got autism or who are working with young people with special education needs or who are working with young people who are not in education employment and training working with the job center there is a lot on that doorstep of every restaurant of every facility of every really exciting hotel that they could be doing more of in their community they could become community leaders and i think all all sector can become ambassadors for it too how do that how does small companies like the coffee shops like the local restaurants how do they do that oh, well, i think that's really interesting what lj was saying if i, if I may I, I and you know my there's 45 lads that turn up you know twice a week i know them and i've known them since they were five years old nobody has ever come to us and said so any of your lads on work experience need jobs you know, and, and, and there's 45 that live locally. And I think I think LJ's touched on a really important thing there that, that can be done. You know, there are groups, there's scouts, there's all the different sports that you can imagine that, you know, young people are involved in these in these things. And, and I'm sure, you know, they would, well, I know some of the lads are, that, that in my rugby team would bite their arms for an opportunity to money. You know, they, they really would. So I think, I think that's one thing. I think the other thing is, Schools and colleges have got the Gatsby benchmarks, which are, which are these things around career development that they they they've been told what best look like. Um, and I wonder sometimes whether the this may be a bit controversial, but the, the benchmarks are followed in order to get the tick in the box from Austin, as opposed to the real reasons that the Gatsby benchmarks were were, were developed and, and written. Um, but it's about collaborative working and everybody coming together with the same message. I think at the moment there's probably, you know, it's, what's lovely, it sounds like you can put UK and, and Umbrella, we're all aligned in terms of our messaging. Um, but I wonder whether that's true of all providers. You know, I, I live in Hampshire and where where we are, the schools don't offer sixth form, it's only FE colleges and, and apprenticeship opportunities. Um, but what then, then with those schools that are linked with certain colleges and providers that do offer um, A-levels and, and, and BTECs and, and formal education, you know, we're all competing with the same young people, with the same, uh, uh, and so they're just inundated with all of this information about their choices and things that they can do. And I just think they get confused. It's too much, there's too much information being thrown um, at them. Um, so we, we, yeah, we need to do a better job of coming together, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's absolutely, I completely agree with you on that on that point. Um, I just want to <coughs> wrap up. There's been a lot of great points that you've made here today. I really, really love your opinions and your views on the on, on these subjects. Um, Dan, if I could stick with you for, the, for, for just to start with on this last question. How do we engage the next generation of hospitality workers? How do we engage um, local educational establishments? What resources are available readily that can easily be, you know, accessed? And what processes are already in place? Wow, <laughs> lots of questions there. Um, I think from, from my perspective, this is as somebody that's worked, I've worked in a local college as well as a training provider, um, offering apprenticeships. There are always more apprenticeship opportunities and vacancies than there are young people um, taking those opportunities up. And that to me is, is, is shouldn't be the shouldn't be that way around. It should always be related to the young people. There are opportunities. Um, 
And I think that's about knowledge and understanding of the opportunities that are available. So in terms of resources, um, we need people to get together and agree what the message is and then to give that collective message, I think, to all of these people. So that's employers and, and um, providers getting together um, with the likes of you know, Youth, Youth Employment UK, who sounds like they've got a lot of this stuff already, so it's about accessing that information and sharing the things that already exist. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's about a single message that, that's uh, that's not me, um, because I'm not the right person to win My son was here, he'd be laughing, actually saying, absolutely right, you're not the right person to inspire me that. It's him. He needs to be the one, the voice that, that goes out and, and does those things. So it's yeah. it's finding those, those the right people. And, and, and all the same. I mean, I would like to get our hospitality and catering virtual work experience into every school um, because I just think, you know, it, it's a great programme that meets the Gatsby benchmarks, but that just brings impartially your sector to life in a really, really exciting way because it's that it's that exciting, but real and accessible. That's what your sector is. It's exciting, it's real, and it's accessible to everybody. Um, I think the sector needs to be better at being youth friendly. I think you have to know what being a good employer of young people looks like, because there is some of that in the past, I think, with young people that they worry about low pay and, and the poor working conditions. So I think committing to being a youth friendly sector and committing to those resources that exist and that message that Dan's talking about with the right role models and doing it all six times everywhere. <laughs> six times everywhere, every school, every college, every youth group, every rugby club. It's, it's, it's a never ending job. The job will not be done. There's no quick fix. <laughs> there are there are a couple of things. There are a couple of things you can do in terms of young people. You have to be where they are too. Um, not just you have to tell them six times, but um, if you want to recruit a diverse workforce, you do have to think about where those young people are likely to engage. It's not always the job the job centre. It is one place you, you should engage with. But when we think about young people with, who are eligible for free school meals, they're 12% more likely to engage in a youth club. They're 20% less likely to have done something like the Duke of Edinburgh. You have to think about who your audience is and know where you can find them, know what their experiences will be and be able to talk to that. But it is also about making sure that you show young people that you're willing to hire them, not just the uh, Good Youth Employment Charter framework, but less than 26% of young people think that employers are supportive of hiring them. If we keep wheeling out the 40-year-old chefs who've had a great career, we're only showing them, I don't want to say really old, because that is the wrong thing to no, say in my face. Um, but but if, if we are only showing what young people think of us as really old people, even though they're not, um, we're, all we're doing is showing, oh, I, I, I doesn't look like I belong there. It doesn't look like I fit in there. If we keep showing them um, the other young people that we've hired and the great examples of being you friendly and it being a great, safe place to work, that will make the difference. Listen, I've got to thank the three of you today. This has been a fantastic discussion. It really has. There's so many great ideas um, and 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 things that initiatives that you know companies, employers can can take on. Uh, and and really make a difference with the, the conversation is going to be ongoing and I'm sure I'm going to talk to you guys again and I really hope that I do because you've been brilliant today thank you so very very much um, 
if you're if you're not a subscriber to recruiting and hospitality why not just get on wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe we're on podbean we're on itunes we're on TuneIn. we're on we're all over the place so wherever you listen to podcasts hit that subscribe button and you'll get the episodes first um we're on twitter it's k at caterer dot com that's caterer d-o-t-c-o-m likewise on instagram we're on facebook follow us on linkedin as well let us know what you think of the program let us know what you think about this episode um it'll be great to hear from you um i want to say thank you to our guests one more time you've been absolutely brilliant lj lauren dan thank you very very much indeed um thanks for listening i've been lance lockner ryan and i'll see you next time on recruiting and hospitality bye bye